Climb aboard the struggle bus. You got problems just like us. Climb aboard the struggle bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the struggle bus. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. And we're here to fix your lives. That said, we are two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions. Neither of which are a substitute for professional guidance. You did the finger wag. I did. You Sally. didn't do it, so I decided to do it. I did not. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Mm-hmm. I feel a little bit more alert than I felt at this time last week. Really? Yeah. Remember, I was like, if you have coffee, please make <gasps> yeah. me some. And today I'm like, okay. Well, I also had time to caffeinate. So that's the other thing. Yeah. I made some uh, Trader Joe's coffee. And, I love uh, a good Trader Joe's coffee. Yeah. You know, I did it wrong. Oh, I'm, I'm used to the enough. Maxwell House measurements. So I made a, uh, that was for the Trader Joe's. And no, that wasn't. Is it too strong or too, too weak? weak. Which I don't Bummer. mind if it's a little weak. It's like, yeah. oh, coffee-flavored water. This yeah. is great. But it was more like, um, oh, no, where's the coffee? Oh, <laughs> so, bummer. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I guess we'll get to jibber-jabber in a second. But first, yes. still waiting for the coffee to kick in. Okay. God, is it decaf? Um, <laughs> you can tweet at us at StrugglebusPod. Email us at StrugglebusPodcast at gmail.com. Instagram.com slash TheStrugglebusPod. Use the hashtag StrugglePodBuds420 to find a struggle buddy. StrugglebusPodcast.com. Com is our website. If you want to become a bonus member for as little as $5 a month, we'll get to that in a second. Tweet at Sally T. Tweet at me at SBK Heller. Join the secret Facebook group. Um, you can do that by emailing us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com. Give us the email you log into Facebook with and we will let you in. If you get a response saying, great, you're in the group, but didn't hear from Facebook, that's okay. Follow up with me. Happens all the time. Um, it's just Facebook is very... Facebook is fucked up. We should talk about that for once second but the facebook group is lovely the facebook group is not fucked up it's a great place it's wonderful it's yeah despite facebook's failings but um back to being a bonus member yes for as little as five dollars a month on strugglebuspodcast.com click on the link to gumroad you can get all of our bonus episodes a new one coming up 15 that will make it soon right now it's 14 and what else do you get sally you get a ticket to ride the struggle bus we will send you in the united states postal mail a business card sized looks like a card you'd use to get onto a city bus or onto a new york city subway and it says never ride alone and it's just a, a little fun memento of the show and we had a new member sign up uh today or yesterday thank you new member don't remember your name but i really appreciate you excellent all right cool so um yeah the reason i said that about facebook is there's that whole thing going around where women joking or not say men are trash or men are scum and getting their accounts deleted for like 30 days suspended you didn't hear Whoa. about this? No. So uh, a bunch of women in a certain other group I'm in, secret uh-huh. you guys, we're, we're all in secret groups, yeah. um, <laughs> just said, fuck it, let's do this. And they wrote Men Are Scum and all their accounts were suspended for 30 days. Wow. Whereas the men who were writing to them that made them say that, saying worse things, right. all the words you can imagine, um, they did not have their accounts suspended, Sally. I, F- Facebook is really running into some problems. Like big time. And then there, they had a bunch of men saying, let's do this. Women are scum. Not a peep. Nothing. Not a fucking peep. Deli- and of course, you know, the C word and all those other things too. But Delightful. Yeah, Facebook's pretty fucked up. Um, but again, the group's great. Shall we do opening jibber jabber on this Let, Let's jibber jabber. All right. Let's do it. Do you want to go first with the jibber jabber or uh, yeah. shall I? I'll, this I'll, looks amazing. I'll jibber jabber. So I just want to give a shout out to audiobooks. <laughs> Thank you, audiobooks. You are awesome. So um, a friend of mine recommended Gabrielle Union's book, We're Going to Need More Wine. And um, I 
download oh you know what happened so she recommended it and then i i listened to this episode of death sex and money that she was on oh nice and i was like wow gabrielle union is the raddest so then i i downloaded her book which she reads and she's great she's incredible she's so delightful um she is an example like typically like i've read a couple of like celebrity like uh, memoirs or biography autobiographies or collections of essays and I just I feel like they're sort of like thin like there's not much to them and um like because their craft usually isn't writing and they tell they try to be really funny and I find it really grating and it's it's just and and they don't really say anything interesting um I'm saying this based on like the three books I've read of the genre the fact that it was a ghostwriter who was probably and it was a a ghostwriter um but Gabrielle Union is not only incredible writer she's also so dealt with as a human being like the amount of processing she's done about like herself and her life and her relationships that's what makes it so interesting to listen to and also she has like a really awesome political analysis and so it's awesome to hear her talk about all this stuff and she she talks about her life she talks about movies she's been in and she talks about her childhood and she's reading it and it's just so damn good like did she talk about bring it on for a long period of time she talked about bring it on not for just for a little while she talked about bring it on and 10 things i hate about you like specifically but those are the only two movies that she actually spent time on talking mm-hmm. about she talks about her relationship with her dog she talks about her ptsd <laughs> my face just shifted I know, when you I said know. dog i was like dog <laughs> Catherine's eyes just got so yeah, wide did. Uh, anyway it's really good and you, sh- you should listen to it but also, so now I'm on the audiobook. Now I'm like like deep into audiobook obsession. So I didn't want to keep reading Game of Thrones as I talked about last week <laughs> because it was I felt like it was taking up all my time and I felt like every time I like read more of the book like more pages would somehow like appear in the back of the book so i decided no that's harry potter (laughs) but that's harry potter but then uh i talked to a couple people like a coworker and a couple other people and they were like book three is definitely the best book by far and i was like damn it how can i read now i want to read this book i downloaded the audiobook who's doing the the reading some old british guy now let me tell you about this dude he makes so there's like a zillion characters so he's got a pretty heavy lift but he makes everyone sound like his his voice of choice for basically every character is extremely old man which is like a weird (laughs) really weird decision because there's only so many very old men actually in the book so that's actually a little grating and I feel like one of the greatest joys of listening to an audiobook is having an amazing narrator um and i'm sure that this guy is like has been like knighted in england and won whatever their version of the oscars is <laughs> because uh, all 10 of the, the great british actors have won it. yeah they've he's i'm sure he's bafta recognized forever but uh so it's a little silly listening to him do the voices um but it's great because i can quote unquote, read the book while doing stuff in my life. So I don't feel like I'm losing hours to trying to get through Game of Thrones. It's like me with podcasts. I like to listen to them while I'm cleaning or on yeah. the train or, you know, totally. something like that, doing an activity. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. Um, I have, I think it's like 47 hours uh, <laughs> and, I, and I have um, 40 hours left, mm. 39 hours and 59 minutes. Wow. So I'll report back in a couple weeks. Yeah, do, do. Or um, a couple days. Who knows? Or a couple days. Let's be honest. Catherine, yes. talk to me. Okay. First of all, the best of the Neo Futurist shows, uh, play, sorry, plays 
best of shows. There's two shows. There's 60 plays total. First weekend is 30 plays best of. Wow. Next weekend is 30 plays best of. Um, I'm in both. Mm. And some of the plays I wrote are in both. That's exciting. And a huge shout out to Kyra and Hillary. Hillary started listening to Struggle Bus as well. Um, Hi, Hillary. And Kyra. I Actually, I don't know when Hillary started, but Kyra's been listening for a while. Hi, hey, Kyra. guys. They're in the near future. So they're brilliant writers. And they are performing in it as well. So please cool. come if you're in New York City. I'm very excited. How, uh, how are the best of chosen? By us. We submit five okay. that we want, like shorties, monologues, all skate plays, and a crew on Sunday um, of four awesome people who are going to be taking care of rehearsal. They choose to, like, you know, mix it all up. If people can only make one weekend, they accommodate. So there's some shows where one person's in just for that weekend, et cetera. Um, but I was like, I'll do both. I'm free. So. That's cool. Um, but yeah, no, it's going to be, we have the menus. There's going to be so many wonderful plays. A lot nice. of them you've seen. Some new. One involves uh, a leaf blower mm-hmm. um, that I wrote that I love so much. I like when sometimes I see like a Facebook status of you asking for some like random Prop. household object. Mm-hmm. And then like a week later, there's a video yeah. of like the play with that object. I'm like, Most recently some... it was a leaf blower. This is true too. Two, Two leaf blowers. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The play is called What It Probably Feels Like to Be a Dog with Its Head Out the Car Window During a Drive. Yep. Uh, you should come see it. But um, we were we got into this a little bit. Ladybird. Ladybird. Can we talk? Let's talk about Shall it. Shall we briefly talk about Ladybird? I'd love to. Okay. We know, I know, that it's very highly rated and people love it. And I'm not going to shit on it because of I have a different opinion. You know what I mean? Some yeah, movies yeah. are like, well, I'm not going to read Harry Potter because everyone else is. No. I liked it. It was good. But, Sally, would you like to <laughs> tell yeah, me your thoughts? I, I So... I went into it thinking I was going to really love it. Um, you know, I like Greta Gerwig. Um, mm. I I don't know. I, I heard it was about like a young woman's relationship with her mother. and Laurie th- Metcalf. Laurie Metcalf. And so I thought that was going to be interesting. And I love Laurie Metcalf. I recently had a dream that we fell in love with each other. And I asked her what it was like to work with John Candy and Uncle Buck. But <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um, but like, you know, I don't know. I just, I didn't, you know, I, 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 I wasn't sitting there like actively not enjoying it. And there were definitely like a handful or almost a handful of scenes and moments that I actually thought were like really great um, and interesting. But overall, I have to say I just felt really underwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And 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 I left thinking like that. The the I don't I feel kind of bad saying this, but I'm just going to say it and we'll we'll go with it. Maybe we can cut it out later. Yeah, I feel like the less work you've done trying to like understand your relationship with your mother uh and like the less processed you are like the more you get out of the movie and i don't i don't like i don't mean to be like i'm really evolved you guys so everything you know like i just can't like a movie like this because i'm too beyond it but um but the, but i guess it's like my only explanation for i i can't figure out another reason why mm. people were so over the moon about it. Can you, can, do you have any thoughts? Gauntlet thrones. Yeah, right. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I don't, again, there are so many parts of the movie that spoke to me, the yeah. acting part, you know, the theater school part. Yeah. I really loved some scenes and I love Laurie Metcalf and all the acting was incredible. Um, but yeah, I agree. The The moral of the story, the lesson, I was underwhelmed mm-hmm. very much so. I feel like the ending, if it had been different, I would have been like, what a great movie. But I was like, wait, what? That That's it? Mm-hmm. That's that? Yeah. So I, yeah, I felt very underwhelmed by that. And 
I think there's maybe multiple reasons why some people didn't like it, but that's definitely number one yeah. on my list too. I, I can't, I'm trying to figure out like, so there were two movies this year that I went into um, having heard that they were just like transcendently amazing. And one of them was Lady Bird and the other one was Call Me By Your Name, which I know that you weren't a big fan of. Yeah, but... But you I know. but I left Call Me By Your Name being like, okay, yeah, like I that was for me transcendently amazing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I kind of expected to have a similar uh there there are just some movies that like everyone agrees are amazing. Like Moonlight is a good example. Oh, everyone yeah. agrees that Moonlight is amazing. True. And I saw it and I was like, yes, that is true. This I c I can't I what I cannot figure out is like what people are connecting with so deeply about this movie. And maybe a better way of saying what I said before, which sounded sort of condescending, is that maybe um well, actually, that's just going to make it worse. I, I, I guess I was just going to say, uh, maybe like if you spend a lot of time thinking about your relationships and your feelings and like processing them and thinking about people's motivations and unconscious motivations, maybe if th- like this doesn't seem like it's probing new, exciting territory. But if you haven't spent a lot of time doing that, maybe it really speaks to you. And again, I I, like, I don't know. You guys tell me like push back. Tell me what I'm no, missing. And, and that's very well put. And that doesn't mean that it was a bad movie per se. But I did not get the satisfaction either that a lot of people said they got from it. But one thing that I did not like as well was it reminded me of any coming coming of age story where the person still wasn't that realized. Yeah. And I only say that jokingly because uh, Garden State halfway through the movie, I was like, this is like Garden State, but maybe a little bit better. And then I was yeah. like, nah. Yeah. And. I don't need to see that story. Yeah. I don't need to see her story. It's been told already. Right? Um, I don't know. I, I, it's, I, I don't know that I've seen like this particular mother-daughter story. I feel like I've seen a lot of like coming-of-age stories about boys. Mm. But having said that, um, I don't think that this like earned its like place. Like I, I don't... I don't... I didn't need to see this coming-of-age story. Yeah. Like just because I don't, I don't think there was anything that was that new or interesting about it. And I thought it would... It, resolved in a really neat way that was really unsatisfying like i just understand the resolution of it um did you have any thoughts about the her name change because i had some thoughts but like how she goes back to her yeah in general and also the fact that she did it anyway kind of pokes fun at people who want to have a different name and i didn't appreciate that either yeah that's a good point actually mm-hmm. i hadn't picked up on that but they yeah like that she is kind of supposed to be like wacky and it's like a phase she's going through and stuff like that yeah whereas that's a good there's point. a lot of people who really do want to be called something else for a lot of reasons, for a lot of reasons and yeah. i feel like i've made fun of it and she's like i'm just this is who i am now it's like yeah. oh cool i know some people who are misgendered because of whatever right, and you're right, making right. fun of this but totally i didn't want to i also think like <laughs> I, let's just do this a ladybird special we're just, not gonna yeah, get any emails we don't need to talk about the emails no but the other thing i couldn't help thinking is that like I kind of feel like the bar might be in some ways the bar is so high that it's like prohibitively difficult for women to like be creators in Hollywood. But on the other hand, I feel like once they do become creators, I feel like maybe the the bar, the expectations that they're going to that they're going, going to be brilliant auteurs is so low like because she reminds me of Lena Dunham and Mm. not not, I mean I actually enjoy Greta Gerwig's art I don't enjoy Lena Dunham's art but just like I feel like the I feel like she's getting a similar reception to Lena Dunham and it's like she's a young I don't know how old she's like in her earlier mid-20s maybe her late 20s I don't know she's in her 20s she's a young white woman who is like probing who is like probing emotional depths that like seem make her seem sort of precocious and sophisticated and I, I i i can't help but feel like we just don't expect women to 
make interesting deep stuff and so when they do we like freak the fuck out i don't know yeah and also you know white women have had the floor for a while too and a, it's a like while. a while yeah um okay cool and and again if people like the movie i'm not saying you're a bad person it just for me personally it was not my jam i thought it was good yeah well done yeah it was like it definitely wasn't like i didn't feel like it was a bad movie i was just i had that feeling of like this is not for me mm-hmm. yeah exactly. i had i had that this is not for me feeling and also i don't understand what people are connecting to about it yes which i would love to hear yeah let me bonus episode material hey i mean yeah but i will say i i had way too many things to talk about this week so i will stop in one second but shape of water oh boy you're gonna watch it too right yeah i'm so excited it's i thought it was absolutely perfect um and listen did we watch uh the louis ck movie maybe do i have opinions i will let you how know how did you get through that it was really hard people left during really it was it was rough um it's called i love you daddy everyone um mm-hmm. i don't want to spend too much time on it okay i want to hear your you're gonna watch it right no way. No. Oh, you're not. The All Lucy right. K movie? It's terrible. No, I'm not subjecting myself to that. Yeah, it's um I I did go into it with an open mind as in like did someone try to do the right thing and it's <laughs> terrible. I'm just going to take your word Thank for it. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. All right. I wasn't <laughs> yeah. sure if you wanted to subject yourself. No way. Good call. Well done. You're already winning in life more than <laughs> I, I feel I pretty good about it. But um yeah, the last thing is I uh John Oliver apparently interviewed Dustin Hoffman last mm. night and really pushed back about his um, sexual harassment, the accusations against him. Of course, now my computer's not showing the article, but um, I don't want to spend too much time being like, John Oliver, what a hero. But like, that's <laughs> one of the ways in which you do it is yeah, have yeah. this really difficult conversation. Like, it's not even showing anything. But the point is, he does say something to the effect of, I'm sorry, this conversation is uncomfortable, but like, we're fine. And I was like, mm, well done. Okay. Well done. So, do we know how Dustin Hoffman responded? Oh, he did not like this very much. He didn't. He and didn't it went on it. for a very long time, apparently. Ooh. Yeah, I, I will. Uh, yeah, look it up. Okay. Uh, read it. I just saw this right before you came over. Okay, got so, it. Okay. Yeah. So that was our week. Should okay. we do a thing we did for self-care? Oh, my God. I forgot we hadn't. I feel like we've been talking for so long. Yeah. Uh, 18 minutes. We'll just be real quick. Do you want to go first or shall I? I would love to hear what you did for self-care. I wrote down work. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of work I need to do. I was not feeling well. I think I had a cold this weekend. Okay. That kind of like, or an end last week that kind of knocked me down. I was just very tired. But I, I let myself sleep. But I also was like, you have to do some work. You're very busy and um, get that out of the way. Because I was starting to panic about it. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, no. And then once you panic, then you're in a spiral. And then I'm like, I'm not getting anything done. Totally. And I started to get a little depressed. And I was like, I'm just going to do this. Oh, man. Good and job. then reward myself with like, OK, you get to sleep for the next hour after this. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's something that I, I knew I knew for my own mental health that it would have spiraled. It would have yeah. gotten bigger. And I was like, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to hate it. But at least not going to be panicking. Yeah, that's correct. Good intervention. It was an intervention with myself about that's work. Awesome. But I had to do things. Yeah, so, so you just got to do it. Yeah. What about you? Well oh, I love your <laughs> Um, I socialized uh, with people, which was cool. Um, usually uh, I don't do that. And so, uh, but on Sunday morning, I ran into a friend of mine at the gym and we hung out for a while afterward, just like talking and walking. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. And that was like great to reconnect. And then usually after I socialize, I'm like, okay, cool. Now I want to be in a sensory deprivation tank for like <laughs> 45 minutes. But uh, shortly after that, Andre had a friend coming over who was visiting from Kenya. And so she was over and I hung out with them. And then after that, granted, I then I took a nap. But then in the evening, we went to go visit one of Andrea's friends who had a baby. And uh, all of the, all of the socializing 
was really fun and enjoyable. And usually that is not the case. Like usually, you know, especially in one day, three different people. I mean, come on, that's, that's a lot. lot. Yeah. But uh, it felt really good. And and I sort of, um, I mean, I, I had to take a break in between, like I took a nap, but I don't know. It's just like every now and again, you interact with people and you remember that like, people are awesome yeah and it kind of is energizing yeah it is so that was great that's great I'm good. Yeah, that's good to hear yeah how's the baby baby is really fucking cute cool the baby like last time we saw it it was like brand new and so it was just you know they're just like a blob <laughs> mm-hmm. um and now it's like like it he <laughs> sorry guys he like claps oh how old is he he's um i want to say I want to say maybe like six or eight months. Oh yeah, that's a funny age. Yeah, he's just real cute, and he, he can't just quite talk yet. Smiles and giggles, uh, drools. Mm. It's great. Anyway, yeah, get yourself a drooly baby if you can. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> well, Sally and I are adopting an otter together. Just <laughs> oh yeah, I can't wait for that. Yeah, we're gonna get an otter. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's get into it. First email. Okay, this person did they choose this name? Yes, um, and I think this is the name they wrote in with in the past. Okay, uh, do you want me to read it or no pref? All right, I'll read it. Okay. So this is from Yuri, and the content note, unexpected death, misgendering. Hi, Kate and Sally. I wrote in in March about being a trans man struggling with whether or not I can identify as a feminist. An awful lot has happened since then, so I apologize for how long this is. I graduated from drama school in July and started looking for acting work, and it went pretty well. I got offered two different touring pantomime jobs for this Christmas season, both of which I had to turn down as I was scheduled to have top surgery at the end of November and will be recovering for at least six weeks. Then I was offered another touring pantomime job in November that would have been compatible with my surgery. I accepted the job, signed a contract, and got my costumes fitted, and then a week before rehearsals would have started, my mother died. It was completely unexpected, and I saw it happen. I was the one who had to do chest compressions while the 999 operator, I'm guessing this is somewhere where that's similar to 911, mm-hmm. okay, uh, misgendered me multiple times in every sentence. When the paramedics arrived, they misgendered me as well. Mom was 58, and while she was very ill with degenerative MS, she had been ill all my life, and it is not normal or expected for somebody with her disability to die so suddenly. We had a very difficult relationship, and my feelings about her death are far too complicated to go into right now, but dealing with the trauma and funeral planning has been exhausting. I had to cancel the job as well as another recurring gig I had. Mom died a month to the day before I was scheduled to have top surgery. I have been waiting for this surgery for four years, and it was about the only thing getting me through all of this. My dad, my partner, and I were literally on the train to the hospital yesterday when the ward matron called and said surgery had been canceled due to bed shortage. As you can imagine, I flipped my shit. My partner took me into the part of the train between carriages, and I screamed myself hoarse. We went to the hospital anyway, and I told them that I've waited four years and jumped through every hoop the NHS had asked of me and that I would not leave without the surgery. Everyone was nice and sympathetic, but there was nothing anyone could do. My surgery had been rescheduled for has been rescheduled for two weeks time, and my surgeon has said he's going to flag it as do not cancel and make sure everyone knows I've been canceled on once, but even he can't get he can't 100% guarantee it won't happen again. It probably won't, but that's the best I can get. 
Kate and Sally, I don't know how to get through the next two weeks. Everyone tells me to keep busy, get ready for recovery, etc. But I have done all of that a hundred times over. I am beyond prepared for recovery. I was prepped a month ago. There is nothing more I can do. My life feels like it's been on hold since mom died and it's going to keep being on hold until I have my surgery. And I have honestly run out of things to do to quote unquote, keep busy. The effort of thinking of stuff to do has become obsessive and exhausting, and I'm so, so tired. All I want is to go to sleep for the next two weeks and wake up when it's time. How do I get through this without losing my mind from A, boredom and frustration, or B, the exhaustion of obsessively trying to think of ways to keep busy? How do I not feel like I'm cursed and like every good thing gets snatched away from me? Should I even let myself hope that it's actually going to happen this time? Or is it that just setting myself up for more pain? My surgeon did say this is the first time this has happened to him this year, which makes me feel more hopeful that it won't happen again, but also more convinced that I am somehow cursed. I have lost five jobs, my mother and my surgery date, and I don't know how to make sense of that without feeling like I'm being punished by some cosmic force I don't even believe in. Thanks, Yuri. Yuri, thank you for this, and I'm really sorry to hear about your loss. Yeah, thanks for writing in, Yuri. I'm really sorry about your loss. And I'm also so sorry that you've been through this with the surgery. It sounds really infuriating and frustrating um, and difficult. I think uh, I think it sounds like you've sort of done as much as you can, as much as you can in the uh, keeping busy category. <laughs> um, and I think sometimes it's just time to like let it wash over you and just let yourself feel really sad and really angry. And, you know, maybe that means like screaming into a pillow or um, writing, like journaling and writing a letter to the world or, you know, the cosmic force or, um, you know, just basically like being in your feelings, which I think is can be unpleasant and difficult. But I, I sometimes think that um, I, I, I sort of relate to being so um, upset and or so so like anxious and eager that you sort of exhaust yourself and you, you can't even like participate in whatever the thing is that could potentially like keep your mind off things. And I think that's like a really good time to just like let yourself be really exhausted. You've also experienced a trauma. I mean, you, you lost your mom and it sounds like also the actual like moment of loss and the aftermath was really difficult. Um, I'm not sure if you've gone to a grief counselor or if you're in therapy, but um, I know you have a lot on your plate right now. I know it's not just about the grief because there's also the loss of jobs and there's also the surgery and is it going to happen or isn't it? But this is a lot of stuff to be dealing with all at once. And I think perhaps having someone help you kind of disentangle things Um well, I think will help you in the future, but I might also just like for the time being, just give you an outlet. Mm-hmm. Catherine, what do you think? You, Yeah, everything you said, Sally. Y- you need to um, absolutely give yourself permission to feel the feelings you're feeling. You know, if people are telling you to be busy or distract yourself. No, I mean, my goodness, a loss of a parent is one of the most traumatizing things. You have been trying to get the surgery that I'm sure they see as elective, sometimes a hospitals cancel elective quote-unquote surgery but like this is this is you you Mm. need this you want this this is very unfair I'm I'm angry on your behalf um and I will say that I I hope you hear us read it back and realize that this is not your fault you know you have every every right to be mad this happened to you this is something that is very upsetting It, it you're angry you're sad um there's no way 
you're being punished for anything. Now, I like to play a little game every time I think I'm being punished for something because, you know, it's something that people think, what did I do to deserve this? I think if somebody I hate or dislike or do not like Donald Trump, let's say mm-hmm. you can use that for pretty much everything. <laughs> that man does not feel guilt or responsible for anything. Mm-hmm. So if they're going through that and they're still chugging along, <laughs> I don't think anyone's really punishing you for anything. Yeah, totally. Um, that's just a little thing I like to do. Now, that said, I, I've read this and you say you've lost jobs. It sounds to me like you've had to turn them down, but they're there, which is really cool. Um, your doctor is finally, hopefully listening to you. It is coming along, but you've experienced a lot of trauma in the past year. Uh, and it just it's going to take time and feel the feelings if you are not in therapy or in a support group what sally said it's it helps to process the extraordinary amount of pain you're in the flip side it sounds like you have a wonderful partner and family and that's very um yeah that's helpful but uh, my goodness yuri please feel feel the anger let yourself feel it and Mm -hmm. the pain um sally yeah and i think like at some point it would be good to do some thinking about why what you think is that you're being punished by a cosmic force. Um, Because I think that's like, you know, as Catherine pointed out, not everyone necessarily feels that way. I've definitely felt that way. Like that was a way I felt about the world in general for like years. Um, So I don't think it's like weird or bad and I don't want to pathologize it, but I just think it's always interesting to sort of like unpack why we're having the particular reaction Mm. that we are. Um, And perhaps right now is not the time for that specific thing because you're really just trying to sort of like maintain a baseline of emotional well-being it sounds like but maybe sometime in the future um you can you can get to that because you 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 it sounds like you have a lot of insight into your situation I think that's great um and I just I think like right now it's just about um it's gonna I think it's there's no way to get around the fact that it's like basically going to really suck until the surgery actually comes through for real. And then even after that, I think there's still going to be, I I think things will be like, this is something you need. You've been waiting for things will be immensely better, but there's still going to be stuff to process about your mom. So I think sometimes you just have to know this feels terrible. Everything is bad and I hate it, but it also it's a moment and the moment is going to pass. And then everything will be much, much, much better. And I sometimes think that's like the only solace, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, And definitely, you know, tackling one thing at a time is a good way of thinking about it because you've got a lot to unpack and a Mm -hmm. lot of, a whole lot of living to do. And sometimes it can seem overwhelming. But um, yeah. I think also sometimes it can be liberating to let yourself collapse under the weight of like everything you're going through. And obviously there's a certain amount of like privilege that is that enables you to do that. But if there's any way that you can just sort of like the, the way that like when you get really sick, you have no choice but to stay in bed because you you couldn't possibly work even if you wanted to. Like, I think that if you can let yourself do that with emotional things, too, I think that's great. And I think like if you can just let yourself be like, this is terrible and I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get through it. I just think that can also be kind of liberating. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Especially when you're sick, you're like, fuck this noise. All yeah. of a sudden you can be the person you've always wanted to totally. be. Yeah. I want soup and I want it now. And I want it now, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, all right. This person needs a name. Okay. Uh, are you, well, Game of Thrones. I was going to say, are you watching anything? Are you watching any TV shows besides Catherine, listening? let me tell you. Uh, okay. The Crown. Oh. 
Did, have I talked about this yet on the no. show? The Crown, the Royal House of Windsor. I'm sensing a trend here. <laughs> major trend and the Royals. Or maybe it's just called the House of Windsor. The point is, oh, and we watched The Queen. So I'm deep in, <laughs> like, I have Royals fever. So um, I wish Royals I knew. Royals fever gets its yeah, episode title. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Royals fever. Oh, Royals Can you fever. look up um, the, yeah. the, um, one of the cor- the Queen's corgis names? Because oh, I think that would be a good name. my goodness. Yes. Uh, by the way, I had the job last week of of giving people name tags at the Neo Show, and uh, I was I just did dog breeds. <gasps> I mean, did someone get Silken Windhound? Yeah, of, co- of course, somebody got Silken Windhound. Okay, the Queen's corgis, uh, five dogs, right? Yeah, that sounds right. She there does seem to be quite a few oh, of them. My. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> well, crackers died in oh, crackers, 1953. Susan. Um, Hold on. I think it's cool when people have a, a pet with a total animal name like Crackers and then a total human name like Susan. And then Roosevelt Sue. I'm sorry? R- Roosevelt Lucky Strike. Are you dead now? Is this? Whoa. Yeah. Um, sugar. <laughs> I feel like R- Roosevelt Lucky Sue. Do you want to do Lucky Sue? Yeah. Okay. Whiskey and Sherry. You guys, this, this can go on forever. This is incredible. I think these are also the uh, the dogs that were the parents of said gotcha, dogs. Okay. The point is, go on this Wikipedia page immediately. There's a bit of Queen Elizabeth lineage. Corgis. Um, <laughs> great. So what did we just say? Lucky Sue? Yeah. Okay, so this is from Lucky Sue. Content note. Oh, so they're going to describe a mental health crisis, suicidality, and past domestic abuse in limited detail. Mm-hmm. Hi, Kate and Sally. Could you please discuss making effective crisis plans and how to get partners involved? In general, it would be fine, but if you could help relate it to my situation, even better. I suffer from pretty severe OCD and a mood disorder, and I'm in therapy and on medication, but despite all that, I am struggling to get it under control. Lately, I've been having a crisis period of around a week every three months or so. In those periods, I'm so caught up in my obsessions, I cannot think logically— I behave strangely, sometimes isolate myself from others, and often escalate to making suicide plans. Recently, I have moved in with a partner, Mr. X, for the first time. And while I had made no effort to hide the fact that I was mentally ill for the two years dating before cohabitation, he had never been around me at my worst before. He's visited me in the hospital or picked me up from places where I've had a meltdown before, but somehow not been around when they happened. Two weeks ago, I had my first crisis living with Mr. X and found that he was incredibly unhelpful to the point where I had to spend as much time away from him as possible. He repeatedly told me I was overreacting and tried to argue me out of my obsessions, and one night I snapped at him and left and walked around for hours trying to calm down. When I returned home, he was curled up on the bed, obviously upset, and then proceeded to talk about how upset he was, how I was overreacting and upsetting him how hard it is for him as a person with social anxiety to know what to do next, etc., etc. I then had to comfort him, even though I was still in the danger zone. He did this several days in a row. When things were improving enough for me to think straight, I got help from my psychiatrist and some friends to make a crisis plan to share with him. It has some pretty standard stuff on it, such as physical distraction techniques, for example, holding ice, pleasant activities, for example, walk in the park, Contact numbers for my doctors and when to go to the hospital. Sounds good, right? Somehow this is causing even more trouble. Mr. X agreed to follow the crisis plan. However, that evening, I was quite upset and wanted to go for a walk. He then wanted to know how long the walk would be, and I couldn't tell him. 
I said I didn't know. I'd come home when I'd calm down and that he could come if he wouldn't argue with me. I couldn't think of how long it would be. I just needed to go. He then said it wasn't that hard to tell him if I needed 10 minutes or two hours and then made it about himself again. So then I felt pressured into comforting him once more. I wasn't trying to be rude to him. I just couldn't think straight and keeping track of time feels impossible when I'm like that. A week later, he is still bringing it up and pushing me to write time limits in the plan, even though I say I can't stick to them in a crisis. Now the crisis is over, I've tried talking to him about why his efforts to help were unhelpful, and I'd prefer he ask what help I want and do those things or just butt out in the future. He then again got upset about how hard it is for him as a person with social anxiety to not do something when he sees someone upset, how he is trying to help and me denying it hurts his feelings, etc., and sulked. Mr. X then started really overcompensating, and for a few days when he got home from work, started acting out the plan, even though I was doing fine. Each day, I have told him I was just a little anxious as normal, and that those things weren't necessary unless I was in a crisis. And each day, we have another argument, and he does some more sulking. At this point, I really don't know what to do. I acknowledge that sometimes I am unpleasant to be around, and have apologized for this. I've written a pretty detailed plan, and tried to explain it to my partner. I found books about my illness and asked him to read them. He won't. I found details for a support group for partners and asked if he wanted to join. He didn't. I feel like for the person who was in a crisis situation, I acted sensibly. I don't know what goes on in my partner's head, and I don't want to downplay his social anxiety, but I think I've been as clear as I can about my needs, and he is being really odd about them. I'm now rethinking our cohabitation and relationship with Mr. X because one, this situation is definitely going to come up again and I don't want to be around him when it does. And two, although he has never exhibited controlling or abusive behaviors and we've never argued much before, the way he responded to my mental health crisis reminded me of an old friend, Mr. Y, who I only realized was abusive months after he cut off contact and left me homeless. Mr. Y hooked me while we were in high school with sob stories about how he couldn't sustain friends mm -hmm. because he was socially anxious, which made him act like a jerk sometimes, which led me to excuse bad behavior until eight years later, we were living together totally codependent, and he was controlling my money and threatening to beat me if I saw my other friends. I do not want to end up in this situation again. So I don't know if I'm being hypervigilant due to my past, but something doesn't feel right and I don't know what to do. Any and all advice would be appreciated. Lucky Sue. Yeah, thank you for that. That is such a rough situation. And I'm really sorry that you're going through it. Living with someone is a game changer, especially when your partner is going through something or you're going through something or both. Now, whenever I say couples counseling, I know people recoil and they're like, this is how they break up. Well, first of all, yes, couples counseling is a wonderful way to mediate potentially a breakup. Or if you think of it as a consulting gig, it's a great way to have an outside person help the two of you come up with a plan where it doesn't feel like you're giving him the plan and he doesn't have any say. And I'm not saying that what you did wasn't right because I absolutely I'm I'm I think it's wonderful that you are doing all of this work, but people don't always receive the information that they need based on, you know, and it sounds to me like you're being very clear with him, but he's not receiving the information. He's just not. It doesn't mean he's a bad person. It just means that it's not working. So I would say if you can get a mediator, someone that you both agree on to potentially sit down with you and come up with an action plan for the both of you, it might you might be able to hear things that he's saying better and vice versa. And I think that would be a really good start to sort of see is there something that you're 
that that he's just not getting. It just sounds to me like it's really not working as much as as you've done a lot of the work. So mm-hmm. Sally, thoughts? That's a really good point. I, it's really interesting because I was just realizing that I had a totally different reaction. I had a really strong reaction to him being so self focused, um, and so and like making it all about him and not being helpful. But that's a really good point, Catherine. That like he perhaps like receiving the plan and not participating it in it or not feeling like he um has input in what he's supposed to do makes it feel like disempowered and like makes it hard for him to participate in the way he should um and so i i definitely now i'm like now i'm like a little torn because i was getting ready to be like i was getting ready to say like, I don't think you're being hypervigilant. I think something does feel, well, you are being hypervigilant, but I think it's good. And I think you have picked up on something. I think something, I think you're picking up on something that does not feel right. And is because it's not right. Um, because he's not really, your partner's not really accompanying you. If anything, he's making it about him and making it worse and so on. Um, and so I think it's like, I think it is not really going to be clear until you, have a bigger conversation with him, which I would recommend doing as Catherine suggested with a couples counselor where you explain, I mean, I, I honestly think you could like read this letter. I think it's really well done. I mean, it's, it, you really ex- articulate everything and you're, be, you're also, you're, you're articulating everything that you're going through, but you're also being very considerate of his feelings. Um, but explaining to him how he's like undermining your mental health um, at a time when, you that's like the opposite of what you need um and how it's it's like sort of reminding you of like a past situation that was really sketchy i think then um seeing if he is able to like receive that and respond to it and like work with it and then like create a plan with you um then i think that would be great but if if he's not able to receive it or change anything then i think it could be that you are picking up on something that is actually like very much there. Now, Sally, don't get me wrong because there is a part (laughs) of me that's like, he should be doing a lot more of the work. What I, I guess what I meant to say more is that for whatever reason, it's not working Mm -hmm. does not mean he's not doing some work either. You know what I mean? Does not mean he's not doing some work. I definitely had a very strong reaction to like, Ooh, like just do something. But it doesn't mean, gosh, how do I put this? I'm not trying to be like some people get a pass, but like you can't change the way people perceive things all the time. So if it's not working and it's worth it, unfortunately, is he doing less work than you? Potentially. Either way, do you still want to be with this person? If the answer is yes, you need to find another way to make sure mm-hmm. this information gets received. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Because yeah. I still am definitely reacting to your letter and I feel based on what you said, that there is something he's missing. Yeah. And maybe it is a selfish sort of like he doesn't want to get it kind of thing. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I think this is one of those things where I feel like it will either turn out that he's just learning how to live with a partner who has these crises and is going to get better at it or he isn't. Like, you know, I I think like it's possible that there could be like a learning curve. Um, And I think if if... I don't think you necessarily have to like exhaust all your options. You can decide like it's not worth it and you don't want to be with someone who at this point still doesn't get it. Um, But if you did want to try out, if you did want to exhaust a couple more options, I think that like the next one would be, um, would be a counselor and, and bringing up this stuff, like, you know, asking him, why doesn't he want to go to support group? Why doesn't he want to read about the condition that you have? Why, why doesn't he want to go along with the 
plan? Why does he not seem to understand that when you're in crisis, he can't ask you 10 minutes versus two hours? I think that it's, I think that it's, um, it's not ideal, but I think it's also not, I don't think a lot of us have it naturally in our toolkit to be able to accompany someone who's in crisis. I think some of us are better than others at like figuring out as we go and, mm-hmm. um, not making as many blunders, but, um, it, it it's possible he's like on a learning curve. Yeah, and I, I don't want to dismiss your frustration either, like you see, because I would be I'm frustrated on your behalf. Totally. I, I go out of my way to help my partner out so much as I would be able to do a book report, you know, and I ask questions. And yet at the same time, even with my own good intentions, I'm still learning how to be a better partner mm-hmm. when my boyfriend's going through something mm-hmm. and he is really great at dealing with me. So I I don't want to place more blame on him just because it sounds like he's resisting it but for whatever the reason if someone is resisting something it it's something to think about and figure out and that, again yeah. if it's not working out that's okay too totally that's like a really good point Catherine because I think that um there's definitely like there's definitely the scenario of like someone just like it's not clicking and they don't understand and then there's the scenario of like someone is like actively resisting being your partner in a thing um and I think it's really important to like kind of figure out which one is it yeah Um, which I think is just going to require a little bit more exploration and like talking and stuff like that, which, you know, is really tough and also feels like you shouldn't have to deal with that because you're already doing so much and you're already dealing with so much. But I I think that I think that even in the most like seamless of circumstances, living with another person is fucking really hard. Yeah, I I, I'm going to try to. Well, the other week I was feeling very activated by the stuff in the news mm-hmm. and other things. And I did say to him, hey, heads up, the next two weeks I might be a little sensitive about these things. And then he brought up something that didn't have to do with that much at all. But I was like, I told you not to talk about it. And he's like, oh, shit, I didn't realize. And like he wasn't doing it to be mean, you know. Mm-hmm. But I also wasn't very clear about the things I didn't want to talk about for the next couple of weeks. Yeah. I know it's a lot of information. But like this sexual harassment stuff is really hard to read. You know, and um, I'm really feeling, quote unquote, sensitive right now. But yeah, that's 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 an example of the kind of thing that can be misinterpreted, too. Yeah, I think it's it's really hard to learn how to take care of someone um, the way they want to be taken care of, because we all grow up learning <laughs> like it, different ways of being like, like, you know, in my family, being cared for and caring for someone might look really different than what it looks like in your family, Catherine. So then like, if you get upset, I might try to care for you in the way that like, I think care is and you might experience it as like, well, that's not care. <laughs> like, this is terrible. Um, which is not to say that like, your partner is like, this is just care. Um, because it sounds like he's kind of there are ways in which he's like, not well, there's there are ways in which he's like not even doing the bare minimum and other ways where it sounds like he's like trying. But um, I, I think that it's just one of these things that has to be like navigated constantly. I think particularly when you're living with someone because you're sharing space and you share the household and it it forces you to be around the person, forces you to have a more intimate connection with the person. Mm-hmm. And that's just like, I think it just like takes a while to make that work. Yeah. You know, I think there's actually a really great letter to be applicable to so many parts of being a partner. Um, for example, the walk thing, right? Um, I too would maybe want to know a timeline of how many hours to take out of my day to help a partner. But I also feel there's other ways to phrase it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, all right, well, if you think it's going to be around an hour, I, I am absolutely dedicated to that. 
but if I left after an hour to finish this, would that, you know, there's certain ways to right, say, right, right, right. as opposed to, I need to know for my own information, mm-hmm. which realistically, I do understand why someone wouldn't technically need to know, but maybe there's other ways to ask. Yeah. And I think that's right. And I think that I can also see myself be- being like, because of my own need to have information and like know when things are going to happen and know how long things are going to take because my routine is like what keeps me safe. And so when things like when I don't have information to create my routine, I will freak the fuck out a little bit. And so, but like in this situation, if, if I felt like I really needed to know 10 minutes or two hours, but I could tell that like my anxiety was at like a five and my partner's was at like a nine, I would be like, okay, I actually don't, if I don't know this one time, how long this walk is going to take, that is probably going to be okay. But that is my anxiety to deal with. And I, I feel like, you know, your partner is like not doing a good job of separating his anxiety from your anxiety and like containing his own thing and dealing with it um, with himself, which is what you have to do when someone is in crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just, it, he probably has like a lot more work to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And, you know, hey, if it's not working out for you both, it's better to find out now. True. Mm. True story. But, you know, hey, let us know. Keep us posted. Tell us how it goes. Lucky Sue. Um, So, yeah, we're going to keep that at two for now because Sally has to go and we talked extensively about Lady Bird. Yeah, sorry, guys. Um, But listen, if you want to tweet. Oh, it's inside of the song of the week. Do you want to do the outro? I would love to. So if you'd like to tweet at us, tweet at StrugglebusPod. You can email us at StrugglebusPodcast at gmail.com to ask us a question or ask to get into the Facebook group. Just write in the subject line Facebook group if that's what the letter is about. Follow us on Instagram at the Struggle Bus Pod. You can use the hashtag StrugglePodBuds420. Tweet at me at Sally T. Tweet at Catherine at SPK Heller. And uh, it's time for the song. Song of the week. Okay. Tell me everything. So I like Black Hole Sun. Do you like Black Hole Sun? The, the um, Soundgarden song? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A little bit it. of a weird video? Yeah, totally weird video. But do you like lounge music? Do you like know. Stephen Eady? Wait, well, who? Stephen Eady, the lounge act. I don't know that. I don't um, know. Okay. Uh, what if they did a cover of Black Hole Sun? What Holy would that sound like? shit. So when I was bartending many years ago, I listened to a CD called, yes, CD, you heard me right, called <laughs> Loungeapalooza. And they have covers of lounge songs. And fuck it. It's a little weird. It's a little slow. I love it. Enjoy it. Uh, we're going to play a little clip of that. Oh, my God. I'm so psyched. Wow. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. Hi. Sun, won't you come? Won't you go? Stir the ring, cold and damp. Steal the warm wind, tight friend. Times are gone for honest men, and sometimes far too.